Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Best Practices in Human Resources podcast. My name is Brenda. I am your host, host, and we are here. I had coffee before I did this, so I apologize. I've got a lot of energy right now. Holy cow. So welcome to the show. If this is the first time that you have um, been here and you've gotten a chance to listen, thank you so much. This is really great. Um, Hopefully you'll be able to take away some really great nuggets of information. We've actually got a really awesome show that I've been wanting to do for quite a while. And I held off for a little bit until uh, schedules and formatting and all that stuff lined up. So I wanted to wait for the moon and the stars to line up. And um, it's going to be epic. And then, guys, if you are coming back and you're returning listeners, thank you so much. I, I, you know what? I watch what's going on out there. I pay attention. And you know what? You guys are great. And I know there's a few people out there that are actually sharing this. And if you guys are doing that, thank you so much. If you guys are forwarding this to other people that you know, you really, it does not go unnoticed. And I humbly, humbly appreciate all of the support. So my job here is to help share with you the what and the how in human resources. And I'm in the human research, and I'm in the human business, which means that there's a greater number of dynamics in the workplace to balance and manage. But most importantly today, we are going to be talking about some pretty cool stuff. So yes, indeedy, I have poster updates yet again. <laughs> I'll tell you how you can go about uh, figuring out if you guys need to update your posters or not, I'm going to go through that list. Uh, today we've got employment law changes across the nation, and I'm going to show, I'm going to actually share with you later in the show where you can get access to this information. Also, in the main topic, um, we've got an awesome guest today. I've been, like I said, I've been waiting to get her on, I've been waiting to do this episode for quite a while. Today we're going to talk about your professional HR LinkedIn profile with guest Kate Payne. She's absolutely awesome. Cannot wait to hear from her. Uh, We've got the HR question of the day. And at the end, I'm going to share with you how you can get best practices delivered right to your inbox. So before we go on, folks, the information that is available through this podcast is, in fact, for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing any legal advice. You should contact your attorney and obtain legal advice with respect to any particular issue. And if you do not have an employment attorney, you may contact us and we may refer you to one through our affiliates program and our friends over at Jackson Lewis. Okay, so first off, if you guys get the stuff in the mail that freaks you out (laughs) that tells you like holy cow your employment posters are out of date and you're going to get all these fines and everything you know take that dump it in the shredder like like a rite of passage okay there's no reason to feel horrified and terrified when you get marketing stuff like that about your employment posters matter of fact there's a really great place where you can go get them and that is labor law compliance center 
and if you purchase a poster or you need to update your posters over there, you can actually put in the coupon code POSTERS2020 and you'll get 25% off. Now, if you want to link to this, go over to the bestpractices.work website, click on affiliates, scroll down, and you'll see Labor Law Compliance Center. Click the link, pop you over to the website, figure out which posters that you need, and then that coupon code is actually over there on my website as well, when, right before you click that link. So you can uh, go ahead and take a little bit of a, take a little edge off of having to do that. But you guys are definitely going to need to make sure that you have your federal posters and your state posters up. If you have supplementals, you're going to want to make sure you have those up as well. And if you're a federal contractor, you also need to make sure you have the most updated uh, federal contract poster as well. Okay, so here we go. New year, lots of changes, lots of posters coming out, not uncommon. Two months out of the year where you're really going to see a lot of momentum when it comes to posters, January, July, right? The, so you have your beginning of the year, and then you have your mid-year uh, legislative changes. So here we go. The following states have poster updates, and we have some new ones compared to the last show. All right. <laughs> if you're getting, if you are in the state of Louisiana, Utah, District of Columbia, Alaska, California, Colorado, District of Columbia, Illinois, Montana, New Mexico, New York, Washington, Missouri, Arizona, Florida, Maine, Minnesota, Montana, Ohio, Oregon, South Dakota, and Vermont, you guys all have poster updates that went into effect the 1st of January. Again, Louisiana, Utah, District of Columbia, Alaska, California, Colorado, Illinois, Montana, New Mexico, New York, Washington State, Missouri, Arizona, Florida, Maine, Minnesota, Montana, Ohio, Oregon, South Dakota, and Vermont. You guys have poster updates. Also, supplemental poster updates are over in Belmont, California, Cupertino, Daly City, El Cerrito, Los Altos, Mountain View, Nevada, Oakland, Palo Alto, Petaluma, Redwood, Richmond, San Diego, San Francisco, San Jose, San Mateo, San Clara, Santa, excuse me, Santa Clara, Sonoma, and Sunnyvale, California. All you guys have supplemental. If you're up in Minnesota, St. Paul, you guys have a supplemental update. And up in Washington State, SeaTac in Seattle, you guys also have supplemental updates as well. All right, so enough of that stuff. All right, so over in the nation, <clears throat> we do have a lot of momentum going on in New Jersey, and I'll get to that in a minute. Um, uh, we've got some new and updated California workplace safety regulations that are expected to roll out sometime in 2020. So if you guys are in California, keep your ears open. Also up in Washington, D.C., employers must now notify employees of their right to paid leave. So if you're in the D.C. area, please make sure that you get in, uh, get in and take a look at that. Over in New Jersey, yeah, here's the list. <laughs> We've got a couple of things. First off, New Jersey has now enacted leave for organ and bone marrow donors, which personally I think is really cool. Um, 
So there is some new provisions provisions around that. So if anybody is going to be taking leave for those purposes, then uh, they are apparently it looks like they are protected. But you definitely want to dip into that information. Also, the uh, New Jersey Department of Labor has issued the final earned sick leave law regulations. So those are now out and available. There's also been an update and an expansion to the New Jersey form of the Warren Act. And then also, they, uh, New Jersey has expanded information required in wage settlements of deductions. So there's some expansion going on over in that state. Over in Pennsylvania, uh, there is a Pennsylvania court that has held that employees may go ahead and sue under Mer Medical Marijuana Act. So definitely want to take a look into that. And then lastly, over in Puerto Rico, the, women, the Working Women's Bill of Rights now includes new posting requirements. So if you guys are working over in those states and in that territory, uh, my suggestion is to go ahead and jump over and learn a little bit more about what it is that you need to do. And again, towards the end of the show, I'm going to share with you how you can get access to this information that I share with you guys on the podcast. So today's episode is um, pretty awesome. And I wanted to get this information out, like I said, for a while. But you know what? There's a really great way that you can brand yourself online in LinkedIn to do some of that digital networking, which is so critical to um, finding your next position, taking your next opportunity. If you want to do public speaking, people are going to be looking in and taking a, a, wondering, who is this person? So this interview is with a friend of mine. Uh, her name is Kate Payne, and she is with a company called Standing Out Online. It's a little company that she actually put together herself. She's awesome. She's actually up in Vermont, and she literally, literally is a LinkedIn guru. She is an expert on understanding how LinkedIn, how LinkedIn works, um, the algorithms. I mean, she can teach you a lot of really great info. And you know what? I just wanted to, I've been wanting to bring her on for a while. So uh, this is my interview with Kate Payne. All right, folks, I am super excited. I've got one of my buds online today. Um, she's an awesome lady. Her name is Kate Payne. And she has a company called Standing Out Online, and Kate is here to talk to us about how you can really utilize your LinkedIn to, we talked about branding yourself professionally a few episodes with Lauren Clement, and so now Kate is going to take it to the next level, and we're going to really talk about how you can maximize your LinkedIn usage, and she's awesome, she's a, a ton of fun, we sit in the audience sometimes and get in <laughs> trouble, but <laughs> she's a great lady, Kate, welcome. Thank you so much, Brenda. It's great to be right here with you. And yes, we have been called out a couple times. I think I think if we'd gone to school together, like junior high or whatever, we would have been the two that were passing notes and shouldn't have and got called I know. out. Yeah, I have a feeling that that's what it would have been. And it's funny because you and I have gotten into more trouble the limited times that we've been together versus the times where we've actually tried to find each other. I know. I know. It is very because I, 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 uh, the way Brenda and I know each other is through um, our work with the Honor Foundation. And so I travel from Vermont to Virginia Beach two or th about four times a year. So we get to see each other then. Yep, exactly. And some other other, other unrelated events but yeah. <laughs> in the same community. But, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Cool. So how are you doing good? Doing well. Standing up here in sunny Vermont awesome. today. We just got about 10 inches of snow. So for any of you who are skiers out there, and head, head to Stowe, Vermont, and uh, – and get on the slopes. 
Yeah, you can have it. <laughs> I'm, good. I'm good. I'm good down here. <laughs> we have yeah. Oh my gosh. Cool. So do me a favor. Tell us a little bit about what it is that you do and the, and how you got really to focus in on, on LinkedIn. Well, of course there's always a story behind these things, right? Yes. So um, I've been in the um, in the marketing and public relations world for about for about 25 years, which I can't believe. And um, in the last probably five to nine years, I was really doing a lot of work with um, women business owners. And uh, in the Vermont region, I actually was executive director of a nonprofit, the Women Business Owners Network, WBON. And as I was in that, um, when I was in that, I saw a lot of women who wanted to start their own businesses whether it was with a business partner or on their own. And they had incredible talent and they certainly knew their craft or their service or their widget, but they didn't know how to promote themselves. And so I found a lot of people coming to me for that. So then with the advent of social media, uh, we started realizing that the whole world of communicating with people was becoming a two-way conversation versus traditional advertising and broadcast, which was one way. And so then I went out on my own and I took my PR business and I niched in to helping people literally stand out online. So what I do with people is I work with them to um, really develop their personal brand so that it, they can use it to stand out and differentiate themselves online. And I namely use the LinkedIn platform for that. So um, I've been doing my standing out online business now. I'm in my sixth year. Wow. I know it's been, it'll be four years this year that you and I met each other. Yeah. Can't believe it. I know, and we still get into trouble. There's a lot more trouble to be had between the two of us, which would be great. All in good fun. <laughs> I know, right? So so one of the things that, um, especially in the Next Gen Women in HR Facebook group this morning, which this will be like 10 days later from when we talked about it uh, in the group, we talked about, you know, getting out. We started talking about branding and networking, and LinkedIn is a one of – it's a it's a specific tool that can be used specifically for branding and for networking as an HR professional. Um, what are some of the things that you share with your public on best practices on how to make your LinkedIn profile really stand out? Well, the first thing is is that you know especially if you've been in a, if you're in HR and you have been for a long time when LinkedIn first came out, which was in 2003, by the way. Um, mm -hmm. It was admittedly, I mean, LinkedIn was admittedly built to be a job seeking platform. And when they wanted you to build out your profile, they were actually advising you back then that you should basically just kind of regurgitate your, your resume and put that stuff out there because people would find you mm -hmm. online um, yep. in addition to their resume. So the very first thing I tell people right out of the starting gate is whether you're job seeking or whether you're marketing yourself. Um, whether it's for your own business or as part of being, um, you know, a brand advocate for a company you work for, like, you know, company you work for, is do not do a cut and paste version of your resume on your LinkedIn profile. Because it's such a noisy world out there now that people are putting up LinkedIn profiles. Um, there's over 650 million members now on LinkedIn. And that number is growing by leaps and bounds, especially since Microsoft bought LinkedIn about two and a half years ago. And so um, to set yourself apart, you've got to find some pretty creative ways to do that so that you can 
be found. So one of the things that I always advise people is first and foremost, you really do need to pay attention to your keywords, your industry specific keywords, so that if people go online and use Google or LinkedIn search to find someone like you because they don't know your name, is you need to have keywords in sprinkled throughout your profile so that people can find you in the space that you're in. Um, you also need to figure out a way to set yourself apart in your profile in the about section. One of the things I work on with people is how to find like a nugget of your story. For example, how did you get into doing what you're doing? Um, share that a little bit. You don't need to share it four or five paragraphs, but four or five sentences. And then figure out how you're talking to your reader of your profile so that you're um, speaking to them about the outcomes that you could provide them. So um, those are some of the, the key things right off the bat is that you've got to take your profile and use it as a way to stand out from everybody else who might be a similar, you know, person as you professionally. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that I learned, yes, that one of the things that I learned from you um, in watching your presentation several times is <clears throat> in the section where you've got your, um, and, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, where you have your name and then you've got an opportunity to kind of put some single to two word call outs. Yes. One of the things that I put in mind um, and, and I took this from what I have like a couple of clients that call me this. They refer to me as an HR force of nature. And so I actually, <laughs> so I actually put that in there as a, as a partial branding mechanism because it's Great. different. It is different. And so that section you're referring to is the field under the name, which is called, it's actually called the headline. And it's where most people default to putting their job title, but nobody searches for somebody online by their job title like next to never. They're searching for people by industry and geography. Um, so, you know, they might be looking for you, Brenda, like, you know, HR um, expert, Virginia Beach or something like that. So you need to be kind of thinking in those terms so that you know that you're sprinkling those terms. But you also want to put a little personality in there. You want to infuse your headline with some personality. And you've done that by what you just described, HR force of nature. That's excellent. But you also want to have at least one or two search search terms, keywords that also define what you do. So like in my headline, for example, and you have up to, uh, for all your listeners, you have up to 120 characters to do that. That does include spaces. Mm -hmm. And so like I have, um, I have LinkedIn expert and that's what I am. Um, and I had, yeah. it took me a while to embrace that term because at first when somebody said you should call yourself a LinkedIn expert, my first reaction was, well, I'm not an expert. I don't want to sound braggy or salesy. Um, and then when I worked with a coach, they kind of put me through my paces on that, on how to sort of own that. Um, because, you know, the thing with using the term expert, and I'm taking a little bit of a sidebar here, is that you always know more than someone else. Someone is always going to know more than you. But an expert is always learning new ways. And so if you think of yourself as somebody who's always learning new ways to do something in your industry, then totally own calling yourself an HR expert or a specialty type expert and, and just, you know, own it. Um, and then really treat that headline as a place where you can tell a little bit of a mini story about yourself and infuse it with some personality like you've done, Brenda. But I love what you said about that. An expert. I mean, yes, I think initially mm -hmm. as, you know, 
people, I mean, look, let's face it this way. I think the humble people are going to feel that like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to have like there's this negative connotation around the word expert or branding yourself in a specific manner. And when you're not used to speaking that, right. right, It's, it's, it doesn't feel normal. It doesn't feel normal. A lot of people, that's funny. Whenever I do a talk now, I just did one last week actually to a digital marketing um, group. And I said, if I was to tell you to refer yourself or suggest to you to refer yourself to a so-and-so expert in your industry, how would you feel? And everybody said what we just said. They'd feel kind of weird about it. They would feel braggy. Um, One person said I'd own it, which I thought was great. And then I said that little thing about like, but an expert is somebody always learning. How do you feel now? And everybody said, yeah, I think I could do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I recently adopted a theory. Um, you know, just as my, for my own practice in, in business. And this comes out of, you know, a contact of mine down in Australia. She is like you is in PR and she's actually a PR specialist. And so she, she's always drilling it in. Look, business is not the place to be shy. Right. Business is the place to be heard. And that's very much the case when you're out there. If you want people to recognize who you are in your industry and what you bring to the table, you can't be self-conscious about making those declarative statements about yourself. You exactly. And, and the other thing is, is that if you support that by providing resources or links to resources like blogs or videos or any other things that you have that are like digital assets that serve people and help them in the knowledge that they want to gain, then you're totally reinforcing that expert title or whatever a version of that works for you. Um, if you just put out there all this stuff like expert this, but you have no, if you haven't filled in some of your descriptions in your experience section, or you've done a really thorough about section, if you haven't added in some of those digital assets as rich media that, that give you that social proof and that credential, then, then people will think you're being kind of braggy. So the other thing is take your LinkedIn level, take your LinkedIn profile to another level and go deeper so that you're really serving the person who's coming. So in other words, I always kind of say as a joke, your LinkedIn profile um, isn't all about you. It's, 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 I'm sorry, let me do it this way. I just did it with the wrong intonation. Your LinkedIn profile isn't all about you, but it's all about you in the sense of how you can help people. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's a huge call out. Um, like some of the, the content that I post I post a lot of interesting articles that feeds that moniker that I put out there about being an HR force of nature. I post something every single day, but it's not from my opinion. It's helpful, useful information that people right. can actually turn around and and garner and, and adopt and incorporate because that's how adults learn. That's how we operate. We see something and they're like, oh, you know, there's something to this. And then we incorporate something of it into our daily existence. And what's interesting is that I focus in on what my audience wants to hear, not based off of the number of likes that are out there. But when I look at a particular post and I look at my activities, I look at the ones that have the most views. Exactly. Because you know what? They're telling you that they liked that piece of content you put out. And if there's a lot of views on that type of content, that's just an easy indicator to you. I need to put out more of that. Like different, different ways of looking at the same same thing because people like that content. You know, one of the things we all do as practitioners and and service to hear from us, and that's not always the case. 
We need, no. that's why it's so important to listen to the conversation and the questions because what, like you could put out a blog thinking, okay, this is a great blog. And if you get like a thousand people, then to you, well, obviously they like that content. You might then put out another blog that you think is one of the best things you've ever did that maybe gets 500 views, still good. But you know, what's always, we. what I'm trying to tell you is this, is that listen to what the other person is that you're talking to what they want. You yep. need to listen to their language because their language yep. and what they're telling you is um, telling you like that's their challenge. That's their pain point. And so then if you can use your superpower to help address their pain point or their, or their challenge, then that's where you're serving them. Absolutely. And if you go back to the conversation that we were talking about an expert. So let's say, for example, you've got somebody who's fresh out of the chute when it comes to the field of human resources and they want to maximize really their LinkedIn profile. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Right. If you guys are listening, um, you know, you can post once you kind of figure out what your audience is responding to. And what I mean by that is strictly by the views, not the likes. But when you see who's looking at what, let's say, for example, you wanted to go into government contracting. That's a complicated field to get to know. It's taken me years to figure it out mm -hmm. and um, uh, in doing it. And there's two sides of it for me. Well, there's a couple sides of it, actually. There's the security side of it. There's the you know bid and proposal side of it. And then there's the HR compliance side of it. And so for me... In, for me to become who to build the skill set that I have around really being able to brand myself as a HR compliance specialist in the field of government contracting, if I'm posting stuff out there that I know is relevant and current, number one, I'm showing that I'm on top of my game and I'm staying up on industry knowledge. But number two, I also know where to source the information. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I have done it myself directly there could be things that I have and there's still stuff out there that I haven't touched right. and you know that just comes with time and experience but you know if you're trying to promote yourself as being somebody you can certainly demonstrate that you know where to get the knowledge even though maybe you don't necessarily have the experience but if you can demonstrate how you can get the knowledge and potentially apply it now you're a real asset somewhere exactly so one of the ways I um, suggest that people can really stand out in their profile, and I think your listeners would, would, would really resonate with this, is that, again, you want to create a profile that's, um, that's helpful, you know, it's, and sh but yet you also want to share, like there is a place to share like your slice of life story, like a nugget about who you are. And the reason that's so important is that so many people who are using LinkedIn now are doing it in a very formulaic way where they're putting out all their professional stuff, but they're not really showing the essence of who they are as a human being. And I think that because the world of online stuff has become so noisy, it's incumbent upon you even more than ever to make sure you share a little bit of something so that people can remember you. And that's where essentially your personal brand comes into place. You know, and your personal brand is essentially your reputation and your reputation yep. is made up of your integrity and your values and the professional expertise you have in your industry. Um, and your personal brand can live on LinkedIn. It, it, it can really, like, it's a perfect platform for that. In some ways, even more so than your website. Now, that doesn't mean that you still shouldn't have your website. But LinkedIn's like a one-stop shop. If somebody shows up, they can learn, a, they can see where you went to school. They can see some of your digital assets. They can see your experience with descriptions that you would describe how you did something that's totally different than your resume style. And, and all of that. So they can get a much bigger picture 
um, all in all in one place. So I always suggest so, that when you, I'm sorry, go ahead, Brenda. No, 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 finish what you're saying. I was just gonna go into um, quickly my three part, what I call my three part recipe for the about section that used to be called the summary. And the first is mm -hmm. hook your reader in, you have 2000 characters, hook your reader in with a little nugget of who you are, your slice of life story. Segue into part two, the element two of the pain point that they have, that your reader might have and, and call it out, like say it, state it, re say their language. And then to the final and third component, how you use one of your um, specific skill sets to solve their problem. So that when they're done reading that about section, they've got a, made a little bit of a personal connection with you, the pain points that you know how to solve and how you use one of your skill sets to solve them, which is much better than an I did this and I did that and 30 years that and 20 years that and blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, question for you. Yeah. So when somebody is writing that, um, first off, and I'll use me as an example, I... So I have persuasive language that is specific to the language surrounding human resources. So as a business owner and trying yeah, to market myself, yeah, when I market myself, my persuasive language over the last several years, up until recently, as I've been actively working on this, makes me sound like a used car salesperson, and I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. I cannot stand it. So because I'm I'm due for a refresh on my LinkedIn profile. So mm -hmm. when I'm writing about my slice of life story and I'm and I'm writing about that, do you recommend that people would put that in the first or third person? Always in the first person. Always, always, always. I can't stress it enough. So a lot of people approach their LinkedIn profile as a third person. But if you were to meet yes. somebody at a conference, car salesman like me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but would but if you met somebody at a conference or a networking event or even a cocktail party. Would you speak to yourself in the third person? Of course you wouldn't. So the thing is, is you are trying to develop rapport. Um, you are trying, your whole point of being on LinkedIn and other things is to build relationships first and foremost, right? Yes, we may want to make a sale. Maybe we want to make a hire. Maybe we're trying to catch the attention of a potential employer so that we could help them, you know, as, as a recruiter or HR person or whatever. Um, but first and foremost, before the transaction, you should be building a relationship. And so to build the relationship, talking in the first person is going to help build that just organically. Yeah, that makes it. It seems to me it would make a better connection than somebody's not reading something that was written by somebody else. Correct. So a lot of people, like, a lot of people have bios like speakers, authors, coaches. Mm -hmm. um, they all have a bio. Now, a bio is typically written in third person because Somebody is going to be introducing you at an event. You're going to send them the bio. Obviously, it would be in third person because they're going to be talking about you. As they introduce right. you, they're going to be reading it off the bio. Um, but when you're talking about yourself from a LinkedIn standpoint or anywhere else, whether it's Facebook profile, Instagram, however, always be in the first person because that's what you would do if you were meeting somebody in person for coffee at a networking event, a conference, et cetera. And that's – you want to show up authentic. As your love authentic, it, love it. yeah. So, talking about showing up as your authentic self, <laughs> there's <laughs> there are times where people show up really as their authentic self on social media, and uh, a little too much of their authentic self can Amen kind to of that. through. Yeah. So, what I find really interesting, and we talked about this offline, but what I find really interesting is that LinkedIn is its own very unique culture that's different than I would say most social sites that are out there. 
meaning that you know facebook is facebook is all about your place where you can emotionally dump right um snapchat you know you see something and it's gone you've got twitter which is uh, you know another place to emotionally dump um instagram is the visual you know way of really promoting yourself Mm -hmm. so but linkedin is different in this manner and And I want to get into what you should and shouldn't post, but I would love it if you could share with them why LinkedIn is such a cultural different place than other social sites. I'm so happy that you mentioned that and brought this up because I always tell people in my presentations is, you know, LinkedIn gets glommed into Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, you know, as a social media channel. And I will tell you right now, LinkedIn is not a social media channel. Now, for a lot of from a metric standpoint, it does get glommed in so that if people are thinking about the reach they have on their quote unquote social channels, but LinkedIn was never meant to be a social channel. It is an online professional networking platform, period. Yep. And that means you do not post what you ate for breakfast, pictures of your kids and puppies, unless you're a chef, a teacher or a vet. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, okay, so if you're a vet, then of course you're going to post pictures and things about dogs or whatever. So, I mean, I'm using a funny metaphor, but it's seriously. But it's so true. It is so true. And the thing that I'm, I've noticed a lot more, even just in the last four to six months, is that the, the, the super users of LinkedIn, even the, even the moderate users, are politely, that's a, a key word, polite, politely calling out people who might do something political or, or way too personal on LinkedIn. And they're saying, you know what, uh, I can appreciate that you're going through this and that, but you know what, this is really something that belongs on Facebook. You know, we here on LinkedIn really like to keep it about business and professional and, and tips and helping others and supporting others and all of that. Um, and I see that happening more and more. And I'm so great. I'm so pleased that that's happening. And it, and, and I do it as well. But again, polite is the word. There's no bullying on LinkedIn. No. And I noticed that I noticed that a few years ago when, and I was really turned off by using LinkedIn for so long because, you know, you saw the boob shots and you saw the, you know, the, you know, these incredible selfies that were, it's like, I get enough of that over in Facebook. I don't need to see it over here. And it was a real turnoff. And, you know, at the time I was in, you know, doing an in-seat position. So I'm using LinkedIn way different than I am today than I was back then. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you got to remember that if you're using LinkedIn as your as your public relations so that it can work for you while you're sleeping, you've got to be very conscious about what you're putting up there. And, um, you know, our our society, I mean, information today comes at us so fast and so hard, often when we don't want it to just right. because of the nature of what social media is all about. That's just, that's just the dynamic of it. But, you know, we're, we're in a country right now with some pretty emotionally charged current events going on. There are. Uh, yes. And I was talking to the Facebook group about it this morning and about just, you know, staying vigilant and, you know, just keeping an ear open for what's going on in the workforce because these these topics not only are they polarizing, but they also are very emotionally charged, and mm-hmm. you don't know what's in somebody's past. So if you're posting or if you're saying something 
um, you really don't know how somebody's going to respond to it. And so, like, right now, what's going on in our country is that we're preparing for the Harvey Weinstein trial. So, you know, we're going to see a resurgence of what's going on with the Me Too and successes that are coming out, but also the sensitivity that's around it as well. Mm -hmm. Because the individuals who are... The individuals who have been impacted by harassment of any of any way are going to have an adverse effect to anything coming at them that's hashtag me too, or even just statements about it. Same thing. We've already seen what happens in the political arena and, and I don't talk politics on the show, but right now, you know, we've got uh, the pending trial with the Senate, which will probably shift by the time this rolls out. But, you know, and that's emotionally charged. And then Today, which we're recording this on Martin Luther King Day, right now, as we're saying this, we've got the you know we've got the largest Second Amendment gun rally actually going over Second Amendment rally going over in Richmond right now because the governor is trying to you know take some effects that people are very passionately against, mm-hmm. and those things carry into every aspect of the world. They carry into their family life. They carry into church they carry it into wherever their social settings are but they bring it to work as well right and so if and and if you are promoting something that you wholeheartedly believe in that is sensitive like this unless you are a lobbyist or this is actually what you do for a living it doesn't belong on linkedin it doesn't you're exactly right um That said, I want to address also, though, the people who are in a career, like let's say somebody who's in a political career, um, Mm -hmm. even if it's somebody who is running for office, you know, they can still be using their LinkedIn tool as a way to get out information. But that person's in office, so that's, it's okay. That's totally different. It's a totally different thing. And so there's a difference Mm -hmm. there, and it's just worthwhile noting. You know, some people work as lobbyists, and so they'll, they will put out some things, but even the lobbyists I know are very careful about putting out things that are um, extremely controversial. So I told them to talk more about what it's like to be a lobbyist, what it's like to do the research, because a lot of people might have um, a negative stereotype about a lobbyist, but maybe if you share information about what it's like and the research you have to do and all of this, that maybe people might have a more um, open-minded view of it when they see what it really takes to be one. So those are the kinds of things you just, it it really takes some thought. You know, one of the things about LinkedIn is that people who want to use LinkedIn, people engage on LinkedIn with purpose. They go there to find other people in their industry. They go there to find industry news. They go there to follow hashtags um, within their industry and things like that, because even hashtags are becoming really, really uh, robust on, on LinkedIn. And so they're going there with purpose. They're not just like, you know, like I use Facebook. I go in and look at Facebook probably once a day at the end of the day. And I just sit there and scroll and see what everybody's up to and this and that people don't do that on LinkedIn. People go to LinkedIn with a purpose. And that's something that is um, another opportunity for you to show yourself and present yourself through your personal profile as being a thought leader in your industry. So if it's HR, then put out content and talk about yourself in a way that is of service to people in the HR industry. Absolutely. And, you know, and I want to differentiate now, 
if you have an accomplishment, something that you've done that should be able to garner you some positive recognition. Mm -hmm. So for instance, put that out there. And so for instance, I posted, um, I, I did very minimal, but I did make a post out there that in December when the budget was passed, there was also the repeal of the Cadillac tax. And that was a 40% additional tax for employers that <clears throat> provided a very rich plan. So you can imagine these rich plans are very expensive, but then mm -hmm. to tax a small business 40% on top of that or a business period, I mean, that's excessive. Right. And so in 2017, I was very fortunate to go up to the Hill and actually meet with uh, two senators and um, our representative in the House, all our congressmen, to talk about why this isn't, why this is not good. So here we are three years later and it gets repealed. And, you know, even though I played a very small portion of it, I can legitimately say that I advocated for the repeal of something that would have put a huge financial burden on companies. That's a success story that you can capitalize on to a point. Absolutely. Yes, you should be putting that out there. Yes, because you're, you're, you're showing about what you did within your industry so that the people who are Absolutely. in your industry seeing that see that you're also a leader. And a leader yes. in the best sense not doesn't mean that you're the best or that you're the popular one. It's not like the other social media. Like LinkedIn's not a popularity contest, but LinkedIn's a place where you can really show your credential. And that's and that's and don't be afraid of that. In fact, if you've been quoted in articles or you've been a guest on a podcast like this, um, post these things as digital assets. Mm -hmm. You can add them to either the about section or to the experience section. And then if people listen to them, if they choose to. That's like you're telling your story like through that 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 guest appearance you did or that quote you did. You're letting another medium tell the story to um, so show that you have that credential and show that proof. So it's not just it's not always just coming out of your mouth either. And you can also do that. It just dawned on me. You can you do that strategically with recommendations. I'm not talking endorsements, um, asking people who are trusted people or clients or current clients or colleagues to give you recommendations speaking to a specific superpower that you have or super skills, you know, specific skill set is let the recommendation tell the story on your behalf. So it's not just coming out of your mouth. Absolutely. And I would also say something that I've been seeing and I, and, and I'm going to, you're going to literally feel the, the, cr the planet crack when I say this, <laughs> because you'll feel it coming from Kate the second it comes out of my mouth. If you are using L-I-O-N anywhere in your name, Kate, let it roll. <laughs> so LION, ah! it's an acronym that stands for LinkedIn Open Networker. And it used to be a thing. There were people out there that would connect with anybody and everybody, regardless of who they were or how they might be relevant, you know, hello, to their network. I mean, you don't need to be networking with everyone. It's just like, it's like marketing 101. If somebody asks you who your client is, your ideal client or your target audience, and you answer everyone, you are, there's no way you can serve everyone. Just like there's no way you can network with everyone. So if anybody, if anybody ever tries to connect with you and you see lion in capital letters in their headline, do not connect with them. Um, don't go there. And, 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 and But the more importantly, the, the bottom line is, you know, LinkedIn will tell you from a standpoint of liability to only connect with people you know. 
Um, yeah. They're saying that because they don't want to get, get in trouble. And if you're only going to connect with people you know, then why bother being on LinkedIn? Because then you're just like, you know, you're just connecting with people you know. How is that going to advance building your network and increasing your your uh, relationships? So I'm saying it's somewhere in between. You don't need to connect with everybody. But whenever you get a connection invite, have two or three filter questions for yourself. Does this person make, you know, could this person want to learn from me? Could this person be a potential client? Um, could this person just, we now have 15 mutual connections, so therefore I just want to be in that world. You know, figure it out, and you can make that decision in 10 to 15 seconds if you want to connect with someone. If you click ignore, they don't get a notification saying that you didn't connect with them. So, you know, go through it just the way you'd want. Like, would you invite someone into your house? Would you invite somebody into the conference that you're running? Think about it that way, because you still want to increase your network, but you don't have to connect with everyone. Absolutely. This is awesome. This has been great. So you, so Kate, where can people find you if they wanted to explore more about what you put out there or connect with you one-on-one? -on -one? Where can they find you? Don't tell well, me LinkedIn because we'll, we kind of know that one. I know. Well, okay. first, but we'll say it connect, anyway. Always connect with me on LinkedIn, which is um, linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Kate Payne, P-A-I-N-E. Um, but they can also reach out to me on email, kate at standingoutonline.com. Um, they can also um, uh, check out my website, standingoutonline.com. There's a contact form there. And you can see a lot of the, um, the videos I've done, some podcasts that I've been on, where I'm talking about some of these various things that Brenda and I have chatted about in detail that could help you. And I certainly work with people one-on-one -on -one coaching. And I also um, do a lot of speaking where I speak to people in their groups. I've actually spoken to a lot of HR groups on, um, on how they can be using their LinkedIn profiles in a way that they may not have thought of before. Very good. This has been great. I can't wait well, to see you in a great. couple of months. I know. I, I'm, I'm hoping I'm going to be down there. I'm not sure when the next cohort is for, for THF, but I think it'll be it's sometime launching. in March or so. It's launching. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on. I really do well, appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. I could, as you know, I think you and I could talk about this for hours, but people don't have that, that much time. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It'll take us into happy hour. We were joking about that earlier. It's like, well, you know, but come five o'clock, you know, we're going to sit we'll there and start you hear in the background. Yeah, I'll turn it into a glass of wine. Just kidding. That's right. <laughs> It's always fun to chat with you, Brenda. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. So today I'd like to give a shout out to Griff S. Thank you so much for your comments on rating on the Apple podcast. Uh, I really do appreciate it. I got a five-star rating and uh, some really, really great feedback. And you know what, folks? If you get a chance, I would greatly appreciate a five-star reading if you really do uh, get a lot of value out of this, um, out of these episodes that I put out. So thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. And um, hopefully, uh, hopefully you get a chance to hear this. All right. So you can submit your HR, your HR questions on the bestpractice.org website and click on the podcast link from the menu. And down towards the bottom of that page is a submission form for you to go ahead and post your question, which I may read and answer on an upcoming episode. So I got kind of an interesting one today. Um, it said, I accidentally received a layoff list from Human Resources. My name was not on the list, but 
HR is telling me and threatening me that if the if I disclose any of the information that I'm going to be terminated, what do I do? Well, that's very simple. You don't talk about it. <laughs> it's very, very simple. And it's, I mean, here's the thing. Everything has a cause and effect to it, right? There's always an equal and opposite action reaction for every action. And in this case, is that if some information was accidentally distributed from human resources, discretion is the better part of valor. And this is a very difficult situation to be in for anybody who would have received this who is not in the field of HR or is not really in a position to where keeping things confidential of a high sensitive nature like this is up their alley. And it, and it does happen. Unfortunately, it's accidental. Stuff happens and it can go out. But in this case, uh, there's, there's two sides of this. Number one, if you're the one who's receiving this information and you know you could be listening to this podcast and you're not in HR and you just want to learn more about it, look, if some sensitive information comes to you your way, exercise discretion always and inquire or ask. And in this case, this person obviously did and is getting that you know feedback from HR that this is not information that should be disclosed. And um, it is confidential and it is deemed confidential and exposing this information um, creates a lot of problems in the workforce and especially around a, such a sensitive uh, you know piece of information such as a layoff list so and there's also some legal complications that come with that too so um, you know if you're doing something inappropriate by sharing information that you're suddenly privy to but you really shouldn't then yeah I mean is it well within HR's right to be able to do that absolutely so, um, you know, you definitely want to make sure that you're keeping things in check. So it does happen. Like I said, you know, information plops in our laps all the time as just simple employees. And what you do with it is, you know, very, it's very important stuff. All right. So I'm really glad that you wrote in. Thank you so much if you're listening. Um, I really, really appreciate it. So something that I am well aware of is not only sensitivity information, but, you know, this is a pretty awesome field that we work in in human resources. It can be an extremely rewarding career, but it is absolutely full of never-ending challenges. But like I said, it's very meaningful work, okay? So it's what I was attracted to about this industry. And I'm also aware, though, that it does have its challenges and limitations. And these are all the things that, you know, bring to the table week after week. And as one of them that can be a, a, a challenge and what feels limiting is actually existing as an army of one, an HR army of one. All right? I know what it feels like to do this job as a beginner. I know what it feels like to be doing this job as an expert. And I know what it's like to be the only HR person there. What's hard about being an HR person when you're an army of one is that you really can't talk to your peers about what's going on. So if you're at a director level or a manager level, you can't look to your left, you can't look to your right, and you can't sit there and have those conversations because they're confidential. Um, you know, you can't, there's, there's very few people that you can actually talk to. And you really shouldn't be rolling up your grievances or the things that frustrate you to your boss. And although that's partly what your boss is there for, but your boss relies on you as an HR person to like keep it in check <laughs> and to keep that level head and be the one that they can count on and rely time and time again. So it's frustrating and it can be very, very lonely. Okay, I, like I said, I know what it's like to do this job. I know what it's like to try and find the right answer in a ton of information. And when you find it, you're really not 100% sure if what you found is, you know, completely correct. 
and it can be extremely isolating to work in this role because there are so many people that you can't talk to <laughs> as much as you want to. There's only so many people that you can talk to. Okay. So at the beginning of the year, I launched a new online community for those of you that are in the HR field. And this community is open to anybody who's really established as HR champions or anybody who's aspiring to become one. And I was actually traveling several months ago and found the inspiration to contribute to women in HR. And I'm on a mission to connect with 20,000 women in HR to positively impact the lives of 1 million employees. And how we do that is by really sharing shared knowledge, sharing shared knowledge. I don't know if I could say that again three times faster without hurting myself, but you guys know what I'm referring to. So the Next Gen Women in HR member site is actually a great place to start where women can come and connect. We can share resources and we can go deep to learn how to perform the HR functions with tools and current resources. Now, most importantly, this is a place to get support. And this year, 2020, 2020 vision, it's that time to get really clearly focused on you and your future in this industry because this decade is going to go very fast and it's continuing to present extremely new and complicated challenges, kind of like some of the ones that we've talked about in previous episodes. So here's where you get an opportunity. It's still, it's still the new year. You can still launch your year with me and get that support and connection that you need for your future as an HR champion. Now there's two places to start. The first one is where you can jump over and you get the Next Gen Women in HR Facebook group and invest yourself and go <clears throat> deeper to access some of the tools and resources to ask for help, find a mentor, participate in networking events, and connect one-on-one -on -one with other HR champions. And that, my friends, is where you get to go to the Next Gen Women in HR member site over on bestpractices.org. Okay? So if you jump over to the Facebook group, you're going to wind up uh, getting a lighter version, but if you go deep, you go into the membership site, that's where you get a lot of the really good stuff. Okay? In this industry, you really need to be known for your talent. You should be paid for your skills and wanted for your abilities. Now, if you're running between meetings, if you're, you know, driving all over the place, if you've got, you know, 16 things that you have to do with your projects and you're just trying to figure out, okay, i got to come back to this, don't worry about it. You can go ahead, shoot me a message on any one of my social sites, and I'll be more than happy to direct you if you can't write this information down. Or you can go ahead and click connect, connect, <laughs> I can't say it right, click connect at the top of the bestpractices.org website, and I'm going to go ahead and get you the information that you need. Now, the industry, HR industry in general, really is a feminine-driven industry, but, yep, we like our HR guys too, and we do have men in the group. So come on in and really, you know, jump in and get active and, and get engaged. So this week we looked at transforming you as an individual. And it all starts about really understanding what your life, what you want to design your life to look like. Because once you do that, then you can start really kind of going down the path of figuring out exactly what it is you want. And you may be some of those individuals who know exactly what you want, but if you don't, that's okay. If you do, that's awesome too. But this is the kind of information that actually helps you figure out and plan how to move forward. Okay. So you get to learn, you get to invest on in the what and the how of really going deeper into that experience with a dedicated community that you can find on the member site where you can learn how to grow, develop, and connect with others who want to learn, who want to mentor, or who want to be mentored 
and access tools to help you perform the role. Now, I also mentioned earlier in the episode that you can read the HR news announcements that I share at the very beginning of my podcasts. In addition to that, the ones that I don't share, because I get about any about 40 different articles almost every day delivered to me, and this is where I get to post that information. All right, these links are now articles of things that I put into the Next Gen Women in HR site on the bestpractices.work website as well. You can get monthly access to the site for less, you ready for this, less than three cups of coffee a week. That's what you would pay for one month to do this. All this information is updated weekly and it helps me stay current in my profession as an HR pro and it will absolutely do the same for you. So folks, I look forward to connecting with you at the, and the Next Gen Women in HR Facebook group and then go deeper to the Next Gen Women membership site and uh, Next Gen Women in HR membership site. And I cannot wait to have you as part of this tribe. So you can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Best Practices in HR. You can find me also on Instagram at Brenda the HR Lady. Over on LinkedIn, you can find me at Brenda Neckvottle. Just simply spell my name, B-R-E-N-D-A. My last name is N-E-C-K, like the thing you want to choke. V as in Victor, A-T-A-L. You can find me on YouTube with by Brenda Neckvottle. And then the website is bestpractices.work. Click connect at the top of the page and get my best practices delivered directly to your inbox. So folks, I want to thank you again. Uh, This has been yet another fun episode, and I look forward to talking to you guys next time. Take care.